Thank you, Rex. Have you grown more in love with God and more in love with your neighbor over the last 12 months? As you think about your own life, have you grown more in love with God and more in love with your neighbor over the last 12 months? This is the basic question that Willow Creek Community Church outside of Chicago asked its 26,000 congregants who are in attendance as a part of its church-wide survey called Reveal. Willow Creek Community Church is the fifth largest church in the United States today with over 26,000 people in weekly worship attendance. It's in Barrington, Illinois, just outside of Chicago. When it began in 1975, it met in the Willow Creek Movie Theater in Palatine, Illinois, but then it outgrew the movie theater, and so it it built this huge worship center where there were 4,500 seats, but then it quickly outgrew that 4,500-seat auditorium and had to build an even larger auditorium of 7,000 seats. In fact, they have an annual operating budget of $36 million every year. That's what they raise to, to run their church. It's an incredible church. And in every numeric category, whether it be worship attendance or baptism or new members or, or giving, they were always growing. But there was an uneasy feeling among the leadership of Willow Creek Community Church that everything wasn't all right. And so they wanted to measure the spiritual growth of their members. Now, it's hard to think about how do you measure spiritual growth, but as we'll see here in a moment, in Matthew 22, Jesus tells us that the most important commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and the second greatest commandment is like it to love your neighbor as yourself. And so if you're growing in these areas of loving God and loving your neighbor, then, then you must be growing. And so they created this survey called Reveal where they asked numerous questions to try to draw out whether or not the members of their congregation were, were growing in their love for God and growing in their love for their neighbor. The executive leadership of Willow Creek Community Church was shocked to learn, despite the numeric growth of their church, the most committed members who come to worship weekly, uh, some of their most faithful leaders were not growing more in love with God, and they were not growing more in love with their neighbor. How would you answer that question? Are you growing more in love with God? Have you been growing more in love with your neighbor? What's the key to growing more in love with God and and growing more in love with our neighbor? If if those are the two most important commandments, what's the key to make sure that we are growing more in love with God and growing more in love with our neighbor today? Well, to find out, let's turn to the Bible. Let's turn to the words of Jesus that we find in Matthew chapter 22, beginning with verse 34. Matthew chapter 22, it may be found on page 1052 of your pew Bible. Matthew chapter 22, beginning at verse 34. But before I read God's word, let's call upon his spirit again to open our hearts and minds at the reading and the preaching of his holy word. Please join me as we pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you inspired Matthew to put pen to paper so that we might have the words of Jesus today. We pray, O Lord, that by your spirit you would give us eyes to see what you want us to see, ears to hear what you want us to hear, and hearts that would be opened and transformed at the reading and the preaching of your holy word. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your holy sight. Through your son's precious name we pray and all God's people said, amen. Matthew chapter 22, beginning at verse 34, listen to the word of the Lord. But when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, 
You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Here ends the reading of God's word. As the prophet Isaiah tells us, the grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of our Lord stands forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Now, in the first century, this was an unusual question for a Pharisee to ask uh, Jesus or anyone because the Pharisees believed that all of the commandments in the Bible were, were given by God, and so they were all equally important. Are you aware that in the Old Testament, there are 613 commandments? 613 commandments. And there are 248 positive commandments, like love your neighbors yourself. And there are 365 negative commandments. Negative commandments like thou shall not steal. With so many commands to obey, it can be difficult for, for someone. It can be overwhelming to think that I'm following God's law. And so the temptation, of course, is to prioritize the commandments, to make one better than the other. And the Pharisees said, no, we must not do that. All of the commandments are given by God. All of the commandments are equally important. And they viewed themselves as experts in the law, the Pharisees did. And so they asked this question of Jesus, this lawyer asked this question of Jesus to kind of test Jesus, to see, Jesus, are you going to uphold all of the commandments, or are you just going to pick and choose the ones you like? What's the greatest commandment, he asks. And of course, Jesus responds by quoting the Shema that Rex read just a moment ago. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 22, uh, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. Now, it's interesting, if you go back to the Shema that Rex read just a moment ago in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5, this is what the Shema really says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. Might. Jesus says you shall love the God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Adds mind to that. And it's interesting, actually, in the Gospel of Mark, when Mark tells the story of this same encounter with the Pharisee, in Mark chapter 12, verses 29 to 30, Mark says this, or Mark writes this, Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Now, it's interesting, most scholars point out that this emphasis on loving God with all of your heart, mind, soul, strength, soul, everything, the the most important thing is not whether or not it's your heart or your soul or your mind or your strength, but that you're supposed to love God with all that you are, with everything. So how are we doing? Do we love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, strength, all the time? Leading fathers of the Reformation, Martin Luther and John Calvin, both agree that on our own, it's impossible for us to love God with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our strength, all of our soul, all of the time. It's just impossible because we're fallen, broken, sinful people who have a sinful nature that left to its own tends to stray from God. Now, it's true that by telling us that the two greatest commandments are to love God and to love our neighbor, Jesus helps simplify the law and, and summarizing it. He helps summarize the heart or the intent of the 613 commandments that we find in the Old Testament. In fact, if we consistently love God with all that we are, and we love our neighbor as ourselves, we will fulfill the rest of the law. Let's just take the first four commandments of the Ten Commandments as an example. If we love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, if we're doing that, then we will naturally avoid 
bowing down to other gods, right? Because we love the one true God. And if we're loving God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, then we will, well, well, then we won't make idols and bow down to them, will we? And we won't misuse the Lord's name in vain. And we will honor the Sabbath and keep it holy and worship him only, as we talked about last week. And of course, if we love our neighbors ourselves, we'll fulfill the remaining six commandments, won't we? We will honor our mother and father, and, and we will not murder, we will not commit adultery, we will not steal, we will not bear false witness against our neighbor, we will not covet our, our neighbor's things, we will be happy that our neighbor has what he has because we love them and we're, we're grateful for them. If we can simply follow these two commandments, love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, love our neighbor as ourselves, then we'll naturally fulfill all the commandments of God. So how are we doing? Does anybody here love God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength all the time? Do you love your neighbors as yourself all the time? Anybody? No one at 8.30 did either. <laughs> we all fall short of God's glory. Now it's true that as we grow in our, our faith, and uh, we can look at the Ten Commandments and say, hey, you know what, I can obey most of those commandments. I, I don't steal, I don't murder, I, you know, I don't lie, I don't commit adultery. We can begin to look at all the sins we don't commit and begin to feel pretty good about ourselves. After all, that's what the Pharisees did. They were experts in the law. They were very good at obeying the Ten Commandments. They considered themselves experts in the Ten Commandments and very obedient people. But when it came to loving God with all their heart, all their soul, all their mind, all their strength, all the time, like us, they fell short. Now, some of the Pharisees might argue, well, I love my neighbor as myself, Leviticus chapter 19. I, I do that. But what they meant by their neighbor was their Jewish neighbor. The Pharisees didn't love their Samaritan neighbors like themselves. The Pharisees didn't love their Gentile neighbors like themselves. Now, when it comes to loving our neighbors ourselves, the fact is the Pharisees fell short, and so do we. Reminds me of a story. There was this uh, biker who was out very late one Saturday night. In fact, it rolled into Sunday morning, and he was feeling convicted about his sins of drinking all night, and so he decided to go into a church, and the first church he saw, he walked inside. Well, he smelled bad. He reeked of alcohol. He, he wasn't really dressed for church. He had a, a leather vest on and a tank top underneath, and of course, he had this uh, huge tattoo, t- tattoo showing of uh, the Grateful Dead, you know, and, and his jeans were torn, and, and he walked in all dirty and smelly, and, and the people were nice. They were friendly, but they didn't want to shake his hand. They just kind of waved to him, you know, they wouldn't get too close, and, and and hey, he took a seat, and, and well, no one sat near him. But as the preacher was preaching about this wonderful sermon about how you're supposed to love your neighbor, the, well, the, well, the biker was becoming moved in the spirit, and he was being excited about what God was saying through this preacher. And at the end of the service, he went to shake the preacher's hand and thank him for the sermon. The preacher was nice and cordial. And he said, well, I, I'm glad you enjoyed the sermon. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to go home, and I want you to pray to God and ask God to, to give you a little more direction on what you might want to wear the next time you worship him. Well, the biker said, okay. Well, the biker had a, a real transformation of faith. I mean, the words of God were powerful and effective. They didn't return void. And so he gave his life to Christ that week. And he began to pray and talk to God. And he said, I've got to go back to church. And so he came back into the church and he sat down, but he was dressed the same. Now, he didn't smell of alcohol, which was nice, because he hadn't been out drinking. He, he gave up drinking. But he, but he sat down and, of course, he had his leather vest on and his tattoo showing and all this. And he sat down and the people were looking at him. And the preacher was a little frustrated. And at the end of the service, they were shaking hands. And the preacher said, I thought I told you to talk to God about what you should wear the next time you come into this place. And the biker said, well, I did. I talked to God. I asked God. I said, God, what should I wear in that church the next time I came? And God told me, well, he doesn't know. He's never been in here before. <laughs> As followers of Christ, do we treat everyone with the same unconditional love that we have received from Christ? 
Or are we quick to judge, look upon people and say, oh, you should dress differently, you should act differently. In our personal discipleship, we might be able to avoid sins like lying and stealing. There are certainly sins that we can avoid committing. But these two greatest commandments help us see that there's not only sins that we commit, but there's also sins we omit, sins of omission. Whenever we fail to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, we sin, we fall short of God's glory, we miss the mark of what God desires of us. Anytime we fail to love our neighbor as ourselves, we fall short and we miss the mark which God has for us. Martin Luther and John Calvin both point out that by lifting up these two commandments as the greatest, Jesus simplifies the law and Jesus helps us see our need ultimately for grace. Grace is God's unmerited favor towards us. Yes, in light of these two most important commandments that we ultimately all fall short of, we see our need for grace. And so what are we to do exactly? Well, notice that Jesus is in Jerusalem when he makes this statement. In Matthew chapter 21, it's the triumphal entry when Jesus comes in on that first Palm Sunday and they celebrate his, his coming. And then that week he teaches and then in a few chapters later he will be crucified on a cross for our sins. What are we to do in light of the fact that we fall short? We're to look to Jesus. For only Jesus was able to love God with all of his heart, mind, soul, and strength. Only Jesus was able to love his neighbor as himself. Only Jesus was able to do what we could never do for ourselves. And it's through his love, and it's through his sacrifice that we are ultimately saved. How do we grow more in love with God? And more in love with our neighbor? By remembering and reflecting with our minds and our hearts and our soul and all that we are, reflecting on what Jesus has already done for us. As Jesus' disciple John writes in his first epistle, 1 John chapter 4, verses 10 through 11, and this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, or as some translations say, the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Brothers and sisters, we love God because God first loved us. Even though we are a fallen and broken and rebellious people who in and of ourselves cannot obey God, God did not abandon his creation. No, he, he became one of us. He was born as a virgin, as a baby in a manger. And he came and he, he grew up among us and he taught us and he healed us. And ultimately he died as the perfect sacrifice for our sins. And then on the third day, he rose again, conquering sin and death on our behalf. And it's through the work of Christ that we are ultimately saved. And if we want to know how to grow and more in love with God, then we just need to look at what Jesus has done for us to see how much God already loves us. Do you know how much God loves you? Are you aware each and every day of how much God loves you? In Psalm 139, we read that God knit us together in our mother's womb. We read that, that God knows us and loves us and we can never escape God's loving and watchful eye. We were then told that the pages are written in God's book for us before any one of them came to be. I remember when my wife and I learned that we were going to have Hannah and then we learned that we were going to have Elizabeth and then we learned that we were going to have John and, and to be, we were so excited to learn that, that she was pregnant and, and that God was going to knit this little child in, in my wife's womb and we were so excited and I developed a love immediately for Hannah and Elizabeth and John even though they hadn't been born yet. 
But then the day came when they were born and I got to hold Hannah and Elizabeth and John in my, my hands for the very first time and I saw them and we caught eyes. We looked face to face. And my love ex- grew even more for this child that I got to know. And by God's grace, my love for my children continues to grow each and every day as I get to know them more and see how God is shaping their character. Well, the good news of the gospel, the good news of scripture is that there's never been a time when God didn't know us. He knew us when we were yet in our mother's womb. He was knitting us together. There's never been a time when God didn't know us and God has always loved us. The scriptures help us see that God has always known us and loved us. He has the very number of our hairs, the very number of our hairs are numbered. God knows us better than we know ourselves. God knew us and loved us before the foundation of the world, according to the Apostle Paul, who writes to us in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. He says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us and the beloved. God chose us before the foundation of the world. As Presbyterians who believe in the doctrine of predestination, the biblical doctrine of predestination tells us that God loves us and he chooses us before we ever respond to his grace. As those of us who believe in predestination and recognize the teaching of scripture that focuses on God's election, divine election, we among all people should know just how much God loves us. For we didn't choose him, he chose us chose us before the foundation of the world, according to Ephesians. And he knew us. He knew us before we were ever born. As God tells Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. God knew Jeremiah before, before Jeremiah was even born, before he was even in the womb. And God knows us and loves us before we're ever born. God in his sovereign will has chosen to love us. And we know his great love because while we were sinners, he sent his son here to save us with his perfect life of obedience and his perfect sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection on the third day. He did for us what we could not do for ourselves. He conquered sin and death. And his victory over sin and death is now ours if we'll simply believe in him. And as we read through the scriptures, we can see that God in his sovereign will has made himself known to us by his Holy Spirit, who quickens our hearts and opens our eyes to see who God is. As as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12, no one could say Jesus is Lord apart from the Holy Spirit. It's a work of the Holy Spirit that we even begin to discover who Jesus is and, and the depth of God's love for us that we only find in Christ. As Jesus says in John chapter 15, no greater love is there than this than a man who's willing to die for his friends. It's interesting to note that after telling the Israelites the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy 5 and then giving them the Shema in Deuteronomy 6, the most important commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, Moses then reminds the people of Israel just how much God loves them. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, we read these words. Moses says, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you are the fewest of all peoples. But it is because the Lord loves you. 
and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers, that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. After telling the Israelites that they they need to love God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength, Moses reminds the people of Israel that God chose you, that your love for him is simply a response to the fact that God has chosen to love you. And he loves you not because you're the greatest of people, you are the fewest. No, God loves you because he loves you. God loves us because he loves us. There's nothing we can do to make God love us anymore. We don't deserve his love. It's simply grace. It's God's unmerited favor towards us. In Deuteronomy 7, at the cross of Christ, we can see that God loves us because he has chosen to love us. And if we want to grow in our our love for God and for our love for our neighbor, then we need to begin to grow in our knowledge of God's love. So how do we do that? How do we grow in our knowledge of God's love exactly? It begins by reading this. Every day. After surveying there, 26,000 members, Willow Creek Community Church shared their survey with over 1,000 other churches who then surveyed their congregants. And, and over a quarter of a million people have now taken the Reveal survey. And the findings, the discovery of this Reveal survey, the great finding of the Reveal, the Reveal survey was this. Bill Heibel says, we learned that the most effective strategy for moving people forward in their journey of faith is biblical engagement. Not just getting people into the Bible when they're in church, which we do quite well, but helping them engage the Bible on their own outside the church. If you want to grow in your love for God, if you want to grow in your love for your neighbor, we've got to grow in our knowledge of God, which begins here by reading God's word each and every day. Now, if you're not already a daily Bible reader, I would encourage you to begin with the Gospel of Mark. It's the shortest gospel written. Read those 16 chapters. You can read one chapter a day. That's a fine pace to go at. After you read the Gospel of Mark, then read the Gospel of Matthew, then Luke, then John. Then you've read all four Gospels that tell the story of Jesus. Then continue reading through the New Testament. You can read the book of Acts and Romans and all the way to Revelation. And after you've read the New Testament, then begin at the beginning again and read Genesis. You know, if you read three chapters or four chapters a day, you'll read the whole Bible in a year. Or if you just read one chapter a day, then you'll read the Bible in a little over three years. Just take time each and every day to read his word. Of course, we shouldn't always just read the the Bible in isolation, should we? As we talked about last week, the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. As the body of Christ, we all need one another. It's one of the blessings of being a part of a church is that you get to get into a small group community where you can discuss God's word together. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. So we need to gather together in Christ-centered community. And In our great hall, there's a little bulletin here that tells you about the various Sunday school classes, adult classes that are kicking off, as well as the men's Bible studies that are taking place throughout the week and the women's Bible studies that are taking place throughout the week. And, and I would encourage you, if you're not already in a Sunday school class or a Bible study or some kind of triad, to get involved in one. So that you can read God's word in community together and discuss it together as we grow together. Are you growing more in love with God? Are you growing more in love with your neighbor? The next time you have a hard time loving that coworker or maybe that classmate, take just a moment to pray and reflect on the cross of Christ. And if God loves us so much, shouldn't we be able to love others as well? The next time you find it hard to love someone in your life, I would encourage you to reflect on the cross of Christ and open his holy word so that God might reveal just how much he loves you. And if he loves you, then you know he loves your neighbor as well. 
And out of gratitude for God's amazing love, God's love will then begin to flow through us to other people. Are you growing more in love with God? Are you growing more in love with your neighbor? If you want to grow in your love for God and your neighbor, then join me as we seek to grow in our knowledge of God by reading this each and every day and gathering in Christ-centered community this fall. Please join me as we pray. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks for the great gift of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, who came to this earth to be for us the way, the truth, and life. We thank you, Lord, for the way that he has modeled your unconditional, sacrificial love. And we thank you, Lord, for your many blessings. And we pray, Lord, that every day we might grow more and more in the knowledge of your amazing love for us. And as we grow in the knowledge of your love for us, Lord, we will love you back with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And as we love you back, Lord, your love might flow through us to other people as we seek to love our neighbor as ourselves. Lord, we know apart from you, we can do nothing. But in you, O Lord, as we seek to graft ourselves into you, as we seek to follow you, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So God, by your spirit, guide us and lead us as we seek to grow in the knowledge of you to the glory of your name. In your son's name we pray and all God's people said, amen.